0: that let us know when they're just about empty. They, they have all sorts of settings and whatnot. So Just so you know, hey, it, it's about to be empty. You better do something. And, and then when you ignore it, you're in the middle of a call. You're in the middle of a text. It will interrupt what you're doing. To, and you look, and it says, oh, by the way, you are just about empty. You can ignore me if you want to. One of them actually says ignore. But, uh, or, or, you know, you can do something about it. But something bad's going to happen here in a few minutes, just letting you know. And then it goes on. It's so helpful in in helping us understand empty. It'll say, hey, uh, now, in case you don't realize what this is, it means the little lightning bolt means power, in in case you you have forgotten. And oh, by the way, to to fix that, you you need to plug the phone in. It's very helpful. It's intuitive that way. And then what happens when you ignore it? Does it say, is this a good time for you? (laughs) You know, where, where, are you done? Are you finished? Might want to say goodbye. No, it turns off, and then when you plug it in, it stays off for a while because it realizes that you will not give it what it needs to stay charged. So it's going to take it. It'll say I'm done. The other one that I find kind of interesting is after you plug. Uh, th- is this one right here? How many of us, us, know how many miles we can go when the light comes on? Right. You get the little light, and now I know, hey, I'm Nicholas will fuss at me, and I'll say, but Nicholas, it's not bright orange yet. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. there are shades of that bulb. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but, but it's kind of bright, and on, and then a little off, and then on a little longer, and then a little off. But, but anyway, it'll try its best to help you know, hey, uh, you're about empty, and it, and it gives you indicators. Uh, the E was the first sign but, but the light somehow buys that grace period Of, I don't know, 30 miles in my car But what's funny about it Is when the car reaches empty Again, it does not ask Is this a good place for you? Is this good time? You okay? You got everything you need? Because I'm turning off now No, it shuts off And I find it funny that Usually when you run out of gas or something You pop the hood because you want it to look like There's just something horrible wrong with my car but there's no mechanic in the world that's going to look at it and not give me the, Angela, your, your real issue with Diagnosed, we plugged it in, as stupidity. you got to put gas in the car. But there's indicators of empty. Indicators of empty. There were some warning signs along the way. And, and the Camry or, or the, the Highland will even give you a little putter or a shudder when you're trying to accelerate to let you know, I'm trying to suck in 12 gallons, but they're not there. But all we have to do to change that is to fill up the tank. All we have to do to avoid all that stress is to pay attention to those indicators that say, I'm empty. Help. Plug it in. Hook it up. Turn it on. And the problem will be solved. But we ignore those things because we're too busy. We've got too much going on. There's something else happening. It's, we ignore the impending inconvenience because we just don't have time to deal with the obvious solution. The number of things in our lives that are demanding our attention is growing. And I put demanding our attention or else because they all have catastrophic implications. The car will not run, which if you get yourself in a situation where you've got no battery in your cell phone and no gas in your car, you've got a whole other Cavalcade of chaos that you've just opened up But they demand Attention, they don't ask for it They demand it, if you don't plug in You will not have power Vepco's really kind of Curiously the same way, you don't pay them They turn it off, they demand your Attention, hey I was too busy to do it I didn't have time to do the bills, this and that's Going on, oh gee whiz I forgot They demand it The number of things in our lives Demanding attention is growing Every day The number of devices in our life that are demanding attention is growing every day. With all that demand for your attention, the one thing that hasn't changed is the relationship with God is optional. Your relationship with scripture, optional. Your relationship and understanding of who he is and who he wants to be in your life is truly optional. But it is the most important plug-in component we could experience in our lives. It is the one that sustains us through everything else. If if one of those, um, I was at some testing uh, about six or seven months ago where they were talking about an an EMP. Have you ever heard of one of those? An electric magnetic pulse. And it's a, a type of warfare that can happen where from one tower or from outer space or something, someone can send a surge that then, and everything goes off. You lose your computer, you lose your phone, your gas pumps don't work because they're all computerized. The microwave goes out in our house. Nicholas, you're in trouble. I mean, <laughs> everything stops working. There you go. Everything uh, uh, stops. And they were all talking about what would we do? What would we do if this happened? It's possible, it's plausible. What would we do? but it just reminded me, I don't have to plug this into anything other than here. It's an additional reminder that that component that is demanding their attention, sometimes the things that demand the most mean the least and distract the most. 72% of us sleep with this by our beds. Because we would the FOMO, they call it, fear of missing out. Something could be happening. Something could tweet, someone could call. I know with my mom and dad, the situation they're in, their head, I keep it closed because I'm worried f- I'll get that call. But where is this in relation to this? Well, some people will say, well, I have the Bible on my phone. Well, I bet Facebook time is higher than this time. Now, I'm not criticizing because we all struggle. That's not the point of this. I'm just saying at some point when we're unplugged from everything else, we'll realize how important the real plug is. So we're distracted, everything is demanding attention. Any of these fall in your list of things to do that just kind of drain the energy right out of your life. I gotta clean the house, I gotta mow the yard, gotta do the laundry, get the groceries, pay the bills, file the taxes, school, homework, work. And then it's compounded by the people in our lives that greet us with the I wants and those with the I needs. We, we get that annoyed feeling that nothing ever gets done. The list seems to grow from day to day. I'm a list maker, so I can make a list and check it off because I need the positive reinforcement of, hey, I've completed something. But as a list maker, I'll greet that list at the end of the day and, oh, Lord, have mercy, I've added 10 more things than I accomplished that day. The list continues to grow because I'm afraid I'm going to forget something. We try, we feel like if we could try harder, if we could somehow do better, then all of a sudden we're tired and we're discouraged and we say to ourselves, wow, my attitude could be better because once you get tired and discouraged, it comes out in all sorts of crazy ways and it's usually the people that we love the most that get to see us at our worst because we're exhausted. Anybody felt exhausted? And I hate to say it, but I feel it, I feel exhausted. When I when I look at all the things that are needed and necessary and the caring for other people and all, it wears you out. Yes, there's a refilling that takes place, but there is that daily depletion. There's the battery running low component where sometimes it takes more than the five minutes I I give it some days, and more than the, hey, I need an hour to myself and a Calgon moment. There's something more. There's something more saw this guy on the internet yesterday where he finished mowing his grass and he fell down in exhaustion. I don't know about y'all, but I feel that. where you're done, you're, everything is requiring your attention, and if you don't do it, some of the stuff's a little more obvious than others. When you don't cut your grass for a couple weeks and all this rain, your neighbors start to talk about you, so you got to get it done. But there are those things that we have to do that suck the life right out of the things we want to do. Anybody ever feel that way. So I think we have a challenge of figuring out how in this life with all the components and all the things we plug into and all the stuff we have to do and all the places we have to go and all the schedules we have to keep and then as as I grow older the more I'm learning about having to take care of my folks and doing all those things you find yourself running on empty because the thought of not running is not an option. The, that component of you that says, hey, I don't feel well today, but i got to get her done anyway. i got to keep moving. There's stuff I have to do. That's running on empty. The part of you that gets in the car and, and you because it's a traffic jam and you're almost thanking Jesus for the traffic for five minutes because you're sitting still. That's running on empty. When you wake up and you put your feet on the floor and all you can think of is, I want to lay back down. I'm so tired. You're running on empty. There's a filling that needs to happen that's very different than just the caffeinated beverage that we've grown to depend on. There, there's something more that needs to happen. What do you like when you feel empty? Do you know? My phone tells me when it's empty. It warns. It blinks. It gives me the red button and then all that stuff. It, it tells me, yeah, I'm empty. My car shutters and the gauge reads a certain way. What do you read like when you're empty? Do you know? Because sometimes if we run on empty long enough, it becomes normal. And then we don't know that we're running on empty. We just realize that some of that fruit of the spirit isn't necessarily there. That patience, the kindness, the loving, the the, the, the tolerance. This week, I, I realized that maybe I was running a little bit deeper on my empty tank when I have this, this man that's called me who's going on a missions trip. And he's going to a kind of dangerous part of the world that I've worked in before, and and so he said, what do I need to do? And I had to tell him, you have to have this, this, and this. you got to have the visa. Here's where you get your shots. Here's the people you need to talk to. Because I've already been there, done that. I have the list. I can save you time. These are the exact people. Here are their phone numbers. Call them. It's all you need. Week goes by. He calls me back. And he says, hey, you know, I've, I've looked into this and that. I've looked into these other things. I've been reading on the internet. I called the State Department. I asked them all these questions. They said I had to go for an interview and, And then I stopped him and I said, look, you called me. You asked. I gave you numbers, names, and solutions. I gave you the direct path to where you go. But you need to know, you apparently need to know more about how the process works than the solution you're seeking. That's not me. That's not me. Are you that person? Are you more interested in how it works than you are the solution? Because instead of calling the State Department and going through 50 lines and 12 of those numbers and pitch pound and all that, I had given him the direct dial. But he was afraid to dial the direct dial. He wanted to check all these other numbers first. How many of us are like that? When God gives us an answer, we have to go back through the process because we've got to understand it all first. I want to, cha- I want to challenge myself and you that faith... Is sometimes void of understanding. Now I'm not saying we don't understand that God loves us and that we don't understand it. No, 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 no. I'm talking about when God says, "Do this." Here's what I want you to do, and then we backtrack and say, "But how will I afford it? How will I do it? How will I get there? When will I have the time? How will I pay for the ticket?" We backtrack into the hows, and God has already said to do. Why, God is God, by the time God says to do, the provision of all of these things is already in place. But you will not see them until you commit. That's a really hard epiphany or understanding to have, that it isn't until you say, okay, that it all appears. Well, The guy said, well, I was just afraid. I didn't know. And I said, I don't know how I'll do it. It's going to cost money. And I said, just take the step. Dial the number. They will help you. Two days later, he calls back, you know, I call that number, and that $500 fee, they waived it. Well, you did it your way, and it's 500 bucks. You do it this way, where God says, here's the number. Here's somebody you barely know who's giving you the direct dial. God is providing your need, you didn't even realize it. And the end of that one, by dialing the number, was a discount. Hallelujah. But do you you guys get what I'm saying? We've got, we're, we're exhausting ourselves, we're wearing ourselves out, figuring out the process. There are things God's telling us to do that we can't even fathom how we're gonna get there or how on God's green earth, I'm gonna pay for it. And God's saying, just trust me. All these other things in your life are sucking you empty. All the other things that need your time and energy are taking, I'm trying to give you something that's the difference this takes something seldom in parts I can plug it in fully charged lay it on my forehead and I'm not going to wake up feeling any better I can spend five minutes with this it's like that guy at the garage sale I've told you about a hundred times I think that just bothered me so much when he was selling his bible and it was a dollar and I said what are you doing man I've read it I don't know about his, but mine changes because I change. My situations change. The things I'm worried about change. I get older, I'm worrying about other stuff. And all of a sudden, there are things that I've read a hundred times that read different. Don't discount. Hey, I read it before, it was hard to get through. I, I you know, begat, 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 begat. Trust me. As you get older and as you start to really focus on the things that are worrying you in your life, some of that stuff will pop off the page and make so much sense. It'll stop being a chore and all of a sudden you'll feel like, whew, all right, I can make it now. Turn the ringer back on. But what do you do and who do you depend on when you feel empty? We all have our own things. I have friends in my life, and they know, hey, if Angela's ordered Chinese, it's been a wrong thing. There's something about the salt in Chinese food. I don't know what it is, but it makes you feel bad. Fat and chocolate. Those are my two pet peeves in 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 the world of a stressful day. Now, that's just being honest. But who do you depend on when you feel empty? You see, that's one of the challenges is when we're looking to each other to pour into us, we have a bucket that's empty, and we're looking at Dixie cups to fill us. Because every one of us is empty in our own way. We've all got our own issues and stresses and trials. We try to impart and help one another. But I can ask Nicholas to run to the sink with a Dixie cup 50 times to help me, or I can go to the source. I'm not saying that we shouldn't help each other, but I'm saying that dependence on that will leave you a little bit disappointed sometimes. We look to people, family and friends, and bosses and boyfriends and girlfriends and teachers and mentors, husband, wife, your kids, We look around us in our immediate circle and say, who's gonna fill me as an emptiness today? We long for their approval and for their affirmation. We've also looked to possessions and positions. And we accidentally put our hope in recognition. That somehow, if if somebody notices that I'm doing a good thing, that I'll feel better. And I don't know if if you've ever noticed the minute you get recognized or somebody says, wow, that was awesome, it isn't. 24 hours later that you're not back to that point of, well what have you done for me lately? You know, what are you going to do next? What is it? What else is on your your list of things to do? We think if I if I did more, if I maybe tried harder, if I could do this or that, then maybe I'd feel more fulfilled. We go to work each day and we're like, well, today's a new day. I'm going to try my best to make things a little different, but People are still people and stuff is still stuff and budgets are still budgets and then we leave with that bit of unfulfilled feeling. Or that we, we deal with people in a unique way and we try to minister to someone and we try to help them in any way we can yet we watch them continuously choose to find their own path instead of listening to, hey, I've been there, done that, let me help you. Let me save you some stumbling, tripping, and skimped knees. But sometimes people are just determined. They've got to do it their way. All of those things, all of that stuff, all of those people that God has blessed us with are indeed blessings in our lives, but we cannot constantly depend on them to be our filler. When you're empty, you've got to have the wisdom to pull away and get to the source. You've got to have the wisdom to say, Lord Jesus, I need you to help me today. I need you to fill me. I need you to change my perspective. I need you to fill me so I can fill others. When our goal is to be filled in order to fill, our needs and our conflicts diminish. Because when two empty people get together, do you know what happens? We fuss, we fight, we argue, we get on each other's nerves. One goes in the yard, one goes in the house. I mean, it's the what we do. No matter how much we do or get, it's never enough to fill us up, and it's never supposed to be. That's earth, by the way. And if God created all of that, he's got enough to sustain you. He's got enough to sustain all of us. He'll he'll infinitely supply all of your needs. Because the empty and exhausted places in our hearts and lives are created to be filled by God alone. The deepest longing for significance, that thirst of our souls for purpose and fulfillment, can only be quenched by God. And you have those moments when you're just sad and you can't seem to keep going. It's hard to even talk sometimes to God. I wrote a song once that talked about God, you know, what's on my heart, it's hard to pray. Some days it is hard to pray. Does that mean that God does not love you and care for the things that are on your heart? No. It is that relationship with him that allows him to hear your still, small voice of help and to care enough to want to touch you and help you right where you are. Can a Christian really feel empty? As many times as I, I've had the pleasure and, and the privilege to go on missions trips all over the world. Yes. Can a Christian feel empty? really ask yourself that because I think there's this big burden that oh my gosh the minute you say yes Lord I accept you as Lord and personal Savior and you have in Africa there's this really cool thing where they have a line across the ground and it's about a foot high and there'll be 25 or 30,000 people out there and the guy will say or, or will pray and will say hey if you've accepted Jesus step over the line and there's something powerful about seeing the group of people moving forward and they're all stepping over the line because it's a very symbolic culture They stepped over the line. They're not going back. There's no retreat. Stepping over. Uh, The last time I was in Kisumu, Kenya, and over to the side was the witch doctor. The witch doctor had given all these people poultices to help heal them of their illnesses. So in the middle of the the group, we had a, a fiery barrel, and we said, hey, look, take off the old, throw it away, step over the line." And so as they'd rip these poultices off that had oils and things, and they'd drop them in, it was really kind of a cool experience because it was a as it just incinerated. And they'd step over the line, and and I remember seeing that guy just uptight and upset. He was watching, and he was not happy. But you see people step over the line, they're expecting life to be great, but you know something, when they went home that night, the poverty was still immense. The issues were still there. The government was still unstable. The witch doctor was still down the street. But what was different was their heart had changed, and they somehow knew they could make it through all the things that were emptying them. All the things that were hard didn't stop being hard, but their ability to handle it changed. That night, that witch doctor had a dream and he came the next day. We were standing in a little church, and I get this knock on the door. And he was kind of menacing looking. He he fit the National Geographic image, right? So he was a little creepy. But I would all, every time I saw him coming, I'd always think, "My God's bigger than your God," so I could keep myself in the right frame of mind because I knew all power and authority is in the name of Jesus. Well, the next day he came and he, on the door of the church, and we thought, "Oh boy, here we go." And he came in and he said, "I must know this Jesus." Okay. Awesome. Last night you were kind of angry with us. What happened? I had a dream and in my dream I threw everything, all my power at him and it all went away. It evaporated. What does that mean? God had used a really powerful dream to show him everything you think you are and everything you think you've got is nothing in comparison to the power of God. We've got to capture that power in our own lives because when you realize how powerful it is, when you realize how powerful that relationship is, all these things that are, are sucking us dry start to fall into place in the context. That a belief rises up that says, God is going to take care of me. He's going to take care of you. My mom, my dad, all those things are taken care of. And that feeling of empty is a feeling. It's not a future. It's not the the prediction of eternity. It's just a reminder that I'm not there yet. So can we feel empty as Christians? Yes. David is a great example. We see the deep thirst that he had. He had the highest position. He had unlimited possessions. He had great power. Basically, he had it all. He was a rock star, okay? He had it all. He was the one everybody looked to to say, wow, if anybody's got it all together, if anybody's not feeling empty, it's this guy. He didn't lack for food. He didn't lack for water. This guy, he had everything he needed. And he described himself, though, as parched and thirsty for God. You, God, are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. He realized he had an empty feeling. He needed more of God. He had everything but had nothing because he needed to connect. He needed to know that God loved him so much that no matter what, he could make it. No matter what, that that emptiness. And you don't realize how much it is. Have you ever been in a crowd of people and felt alone? You're with a giant crowd of people and you feel alone. How ridiculous is that? Because all around you are is life, is people willing to interact, but you're alone. It's a weird place. That's like him right here where he says, look, I've got everything but have nothing. He needed more of who God was in his heart and mind and life. He was having that realization that none of this other stuff matters. The challenge is paying attention to your own warning signs. Do you... Know the benefits of a refill. Do you know when you need a refill? Do you do you get filled on every day like my dad when he was driving? The tank never hit the empty mark because it was always full. Always full. Something about his generation because they'd seen it when the tanks didn't work or the storms came and you couldn't get gas. And, and they have this understanding that without gas, the car don't work. And in the winter, if your car is full, you're going to have heat because you got a heater. You know, they think these things where I'm riding on it, but he knew the benefits of keeping it full. He knew the benefits of a refill, of knowing where to get it when it would cost them the least. He knew those things. I just want to remind you for a second of the benefits of a. David said, and he described in, in his experience with God, after he spent time with the Lord, he said, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and behold your prayer and your glory, because your love is better than life, and my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift my hands. He'd been in the presence of God in the middle of a desert. He felt the waterfall rushing, hitting his face with God's Holy Spirit, saying, I will meet you where you are. I will fill you. You won't look at the things in your life the way they were anymore. I will fill you where you are. There is more than enough. When it talks in the Bible about streams in the desert, that's an oasis, stream in the desert. So the cedars of Lebanon, I did this whole research on cedars of Lebanon, because everywhere you look in the Bible, there's a cedar of Lebanon. Only to discover that the reason that tree is significant is when there is drought, its roots will go for miles to find water to sustain itself. The top may not look hot, but underneath it's growing strong. And then as the waters come and the rains come, its roots lift and it flourishes in green. We have to be like that. When things are rough and tough, we have to know where our roots go and how to just cleave on to the the Holy Spirit and what God wants to give you, how he wants to replenish and refresh you. And it becomes a lot less about all this other stuff and more about that connection because it sustains Do you need a refill? I know I do. Do you need a refill? It's a daily question. Do you need a refill? Do you know what you get with a refill? Your fill-up is paid in full through salvation. So just a few of the things you get with your fill-up. I don't know if you guys remember back in the day. I can remember when I was a kid, green stamps. Do you remember that? You could go, and, and it would be like the richest gas station up there. Nobody knows where that is anymore, but a few of you, and I'm probably making myself sound like a fossil. But anyway, we got a riches. And I remember that if you got so much stuff and gas, they'd dial this little dialy thing, and all these these tickets would come out. And if you saved the tickets, and you got the book, and about 400 tickets later, Z-snack, you got a toaster. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? It, it was something to work for. You felt like, holy moly. You know, all that money I'm spending, I'm going to get something back. All right? So in case you've forgotten, just a few of the things that come with your fill-up. You have access to God. You've accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior in your life. You have direct access. You do not need to go through anybody. You don't need to ask anybody. You can go direct. You can dial direct. All right? You can have access to God. There is no condemnation, Romans reminds us. So when you go to God you get him on the line and you're having that conversation, No matter what you've done, have done, thought about doing, God forgives you, he'll take care of you, there's no condemnation, he just wants to talk. Your name is written in the book of life. Right now, you may say, well, that's a far off kind of thing, I'm glad I have heaven on my side, I'm glad eternity is ready for me, but I'll tell you something, the closer you get to that, the more that's going to mean to you. You will not be thrown into the lake of fire. That sounds like one of those things on a Disney ride, you know, when I took Nicholas, and they were they're showing the pyrotechnics and the, the tractor trailer was exploding and turning sideways, and you hear the little Disney voice, you will not be injured by anything on this ride, you know? It's nice to be reassured, right? You will not. In other words, hell and condemnation and, and all those things that want to just rip you, the, it says in the scripture, ripping the flesh from your bones. You're saved from that by understanding that Jesus loves you, that that sacrifice on the cross was for you. That you have access to heaven and eternal life and that you don't need to worry about those things. That you are an heir to eternal life. That you have a right to God's inheritance. What does that mean, a right to God's inheritance? It means that when you're welcomed in, everything you receive today from him, as you pray and say, Lord, please help me, the deliverance that comes from that is part of that inheritance. And then when you go on to be with the Lord, your inheritance is revealed. All of a sudden, all these things we've struggled for all our lives don't matter anymore. There's a fulfillment and a peace that surpasses understanding and a joy in our spirit that just sustains you beyond the measure of time. I used to always wonder when they say, oh, it's in, it's for eternity. Eternity sounds so long. But you know what's something? is When you're in a peaceful, happy place, you don't care how long it is. It really becomes less about time at that point. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you pray and you ask God, please fill me. That filling is a welcome in your own heart and mind and body and spirit. That, that your, your vessel has been prepared by accepting Jesus to receive that peace that surpasses understanding. That love, that kindness, that the, the fruit, that the forgiveness will be it from day to day. There is a refilling option that's available to us. In Psalms, it says, Praise the Lord, all my soul. I will not forget all of his benefits. I think it's good to remember. I keep this list printed. He forgives all our sins. He will heal our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires with good things. He's just. He is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for you. For me. But when we're empty, we forget all these things. We don't act like we know any of these things. Do you ever feel that empty? I'm reminded of Mary Magdalene. Because when you talk about empty, you start thinking of full and the the vessel being filled. Filling her jar with water, the woman looked up and heard him ask her, and he's talking about Jesus, he asked her for a drink. He offered her something in return. Living water. Unlike the water she came to get that day, he said the water that he offered was satisfied her so deeply she would never thirst again. Now you have to know, Mary Magdalene, do you know when she went to the well? I've talked about this before. See, everybody was kind of in the cool crowd, in the in crowd, the well was pretty much the place to go. It was the Facebook of the day. It's where you went to get all the information. Of course to good popular people, people looking good, got it all going on, would show up very early in the morning because the desert gets extremely cold at night. I remember I, I was in a, a deserty part of Africa, and overnight it snowed, and I thought it was the weirdest thing because I'd have been 111, and then all of a sudden I'm freezing. I didn't realize that, those extremes. But it got very cold at night, so the well water would be cool and refreshing. So if you were on the end ground... You felt good about yourself, you felt comfortable around other people, you showed up really early in the morning and it was a very busy place. And you put your bucket in the water, and as you pull the bucket up, it was cool, it was refreshing. When you live in the desert, you get a cool drink of water, there is something just wonderful about it. But she didn't go early in the morning, she didn't feel worthy of the well water that was cool. She didn't want people to see her, she felt judged everywhere she went. Everybody that looked at her kind of gave her the eye roll. and the, She knew. She knew the way she was living. There was something that needed to change. She knew. She didn't know what to do, but she knew. She felt like nothing. So she went at noon. The hottest time of the day. The time when the well was empty. There was no one standing around. The bucket had to go twice as deep. When the, when the well waters fill up, it was easier in the morning because the water had actually come up some and had not evaporated off, so you didn't have to pull so hard to get it up. So she went at the hottest time of the day, the water was at its deepest, and what the bucket could reach was warm. So there was no refreshing. So when Jesus said to her, hey, may I have a drink? She didn't mind after all she'd been through to get the bucket up to say, sure. Have a drink. But she also said, look, you know... Uh, you, you have a, a water that'll satisfy so deeply. There was an analogy going on here. She'd take a drink of the water she had gotten, and it was not satisfying. It was warm. So when Jesus started talking about satisfying water, it was really perplexing to her. What do you mean a water well never thirst again? Have you ever been thirsty and drank a hot bottle of water out of the car because you're thirsty? You're at Bush Gardens and you don't want to pay ten bucks. I mean, you get what I'm saying. It's not refreshing. It fills the dehydration problem, but it's not refreshing. Well, she had a hard time believing his promise. You have nothing to draw with because Jesus didn't show up with his bucket. He didn't show up with a long rope. He didn't show up with something that would somehow sink deeper in the well. And the well is so deep. Where can you get this living water, she asked. What she didn't realize was that Jesus wanted to satisfy her a deeper thirst in her heart. That longing he he created to lead her heart to him, the one and only source that could satisfy her soul. It was an analogy. He was telling her, I know you come at noon because you're empty. You're not just thirsty, you're empty. All he needed to draw was with his spirit. For it would draw her to him, and as far as the depth of the well, it was her heart. Her heart was the depth of the well. He was looking into she. Uh, she was the only one who could stop him from reaching the empty places in her heart. She had the. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, she had the option to say no. Thank you. We do that. Life gets hard. Things get rough. Things get tough. Someone says, "Can I pray for you? Can I help you? Can I do something for you?" No, I'm good. I'm good. We go to prayer and we start talking to God. Okay, God, I really need your help. And then all of a sudden we feel bad because the list of things we're praying for is so long and our time of listening is so short. Jesus said the only thing keeping her from receiving it was the willingness of her heart. That same message is true for us today. Where's the willingness of our heart? Are you willing? Are you willing to be a little transparent? Hey, I have a need. I need someone to pray for me. I have a need. I need someone to care for me. I have a need. I need someone to help me pull the bucket up out of the well because I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I have a need. <laughs> have you asked God into your empty places? Have you asked him to pick up those burdens for you? Have you asked him, please help me with the things that bother me? Some, some of them keep you up at night to say these are things I've done or shouldn't have said or wish I'd done. They bother me. Are you ready for a clean slate? I love the Etch-A-Sketch because you can mess it up And it's all ready to go again Are you ready for that in your own heart And this isn't just the You accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior This is taking it that next step If you don't know Jesus We'll work on that right now But if you do know Jesus And you're empty That is where he wants to sustain you on a daily basis That's where he wants to give you the wisdom To know how to plug in and recharge Those are the places That we all need a little more Jesus My favorite scripture is in Jeremiah 33.3. It says, call on me and I will answer you. And I love it because it continues and it says, call on me, I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things you know not. In other words, the things that I'm praying about that I need answers to. Have you ever gone to God with your answer? Lord, I really need an XYZ followed by an LMNOP with a W-Y-Z. I mean, we've got it all figured out. We're praying for exactly what we need, but there is a reminder in scripture that far more Than we could ask, I'm asking for this and God wants to provide that. Far more than we can ask or think, he wants to provide. I'll show you great and mighty things you know not. Sometimes the solutions are so powerful we have dared to think them. Is anybody today in that place where there are some things in your life you're daring to ask for, that you dare to think? There's some empty spots, empty holes, I feel like we come on Sunday and we pray and we say, okay, let's pray for those who don't know Jesus and we want to take care of that. But I want to pray for those who do. Is there anybody that feels that? I can see it. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? That need for God to fill those holes forgive those past transgressions. To lift you up into a place of joy that surpasses there's a peace that surpasses understanding but there's a joy. The joy of the Lord shall renew your strength. I want to plug into a little of that. How about you? Life's complicated enough. The news reminds us every day of gloom and doom. But if the joy of the Lord is our strength then we need to press in and connect long enough. To have our joyful story. We've given it up far too easily. I know I am. You let the weight of the world take over. And he says, Cast your cares on me. You know, that was really interesting. You can cast and cast and cast and cast, and he never grows weary of receiving it. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you, Father, and we just ask, Lord, that you would renew our spirit. Help us, God, to know you more deeply. Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, Father, we pray right now they accept you as Lord and personal Savior. It's very simple. You just say, Lord Jesus, I need your help. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead and that you love me and that you care for me and i want to know you more and if you're here today and you have felt empty you've felt exhausted you have felt like the joy is gone and i need some more i pray right now that god you meet them where they are you restore their hope and confidence in you you help them to know lord god that you care for us. Every single thing we worry and concern ourselves with, you care about because you love us. Lord God, I ask for those who are here that are sick that you touch and heal them. I pray, Lord God, those who are here that are sad that you touch and encourage them. But most often, Lord God, I pray that everyone here have a direct connection they know, no matter where they are, you are right there with them. Thank you, Jesus, for taking such good care of us. Help us to spend time with you.